and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And, Victor, it's a great time of the football season, especially with the college football bowl games kicking off this weekend. Mark, I certainly hope you have your seatbelt fastened because the bowls begin today. That's right. We're recording the podcast on Friday this week because we had not one, not two, not three but actually four publications out, including our Playbook Bowl Stat Report. It just came hot off the press. It's required reading, and I'm sure Mark will have a little bit more information as to how and when that's available. But again, we've got three weeks of roller coaster action in terms of the college bowls coming up, not to mention a big weekend in the NFL as well uh, for us. We did not hit our play on the show last week, and we're sorry about that, the Buffalo-New York Jets game. But with that said, King Creole's four-star over of the week in the NFL for our seasonal clients did indeed bring home the bacon, and that was the Detroit Lions-Minnesota Vikings. Over the total, we got another big one going this week as well. You know, Victor, talking about the college football bowl games on tap this particular weekend, and we did pour a lot of work into that college bowl guide, 30 pages, just jam-packed with winning information. And the beauty about the guide this year, Victor, is last year it was a lot about the midweek statistical portion part of the bowl games. And then we covered the write-ups in the weekly newsletter. This year we put it all together in the bowl guide. It's the statistical report and the write-ups in every football game all contained nicely packaged inside the bowl guide, which really just killed last year, 27 and 10 on all winning sides. So anybody that's watching or listening out there, you absolutely, if you're serious about winning in the bowl games this year, have to get a copy. You can do so at playbooksports.com. That's the college football bowl guide. And a lot of what Victor and I talk about, the information we're going to pass along comes directly out of that particular bowl guide. And speaking about the bowl games on tap this week, Victor, my first initial comment, uh, we, we don't want to belabor the point because there, there's going to be a lot of good information moving forward on this, but I would say in my first comment in passing is there are not that many big favorites on the bowl card this year, uh, not like we've seen before in the past. And I'm mentioning that simply from the standpoint of, of money line wagering on bowl games because, uh, you know, it's been reported and verified that it's been very, very profitable for people to just play the money lines in these bowl games and uh, rather than handicap the game to the point spread. So it will be a little bit tougher picking that way this year because much, much shorter lines in the bowl card. Any of your quick thoughts, Victor, on the bowl card before we get into the show? Uh, absolutely, Mark. And I'm going to try and throw out as many uh, bowl ATS or totals tidbits as possible throughout the course of the podcast. The very first thing I would say, Mark, would be uh, don't be afraid of following the steam because that's kind of paid off lately. Don't be afraid to chase the action in the bowl games. That is 
playing a bowl team in which the line has moved significantly in their favor. Uh, just last year alone, Mark, bowl games went 13-4 and four ATS. That's 77%. If you bet on a team in which the line moved in their favor by three or more points compared to the opening line, 13-4 and four ATS. So uh, don't be afraid if you think you're late to the party, particularly if last year's results also occur this season. So uh, that's the first thing I would say in regards to the bowls. Uh, don't be afraid of following the scheme. And, Mark, before we get into the bulk of the show, we probably should say a little bit of something about the passing of Mike Leach. He had a heart attack last weekend, the head coach for Mississippi State. He passed away a couple of days ago, and it's 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 been a difficult time. Truly a guy who was one of a kind. Um, if you're into college football, he's one of those guys that certainly made college football the best sport. And um, I went on a deep dive, and I went to YouTube just to check out some of his legendary videos uh, <laughs> last night. Uh, my favorite, of course, being he's describing his 10 top Halloween candies. He, he, <laughs> nope. he does stuff like that. I encourage any of our podcast uh, viewers or listeners to revisit some of those videos very, very thoughtful, very, very innovative as a coach, and intellectually curious as well, Mike Leach. One more thing I want to say is there were 18 college football seasons from 2002 to 2019. In 14 of those 18 seasons, the FBS team passing yardage leader was either A, coached by Mike Leach, B, had a head coach who worked or played for Mike Leach, or C, had an offensive coordinator who worked or played for Mike wow. Leach. Again, a tragic loss in college football. Yeah, it sure was, Victor. Those are great stats uh, all about Mike Leach. Obviously, one of the most popular head coaches in all of college football, especially in our time. He just put a smile on your face every time you saw him in an interview or in conversation about anything. Uh, you mentioned his Halloween candies. I know he did not like candy corn. Okay, that's <laughs> he, he made that. Who does? Who does? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> sort of like to me, it's like the peas of candy. But nonetheless, uh, the one video that I did see that I really thoroughly enjoyed from him was one where uh, it was at a halftime of a bowl game or of a football game, and they had fans from the stands come out and try and kick field goals or extra points. And one kid walked out and he just drilled a kick right down the middle. Mike Lee signed the kid and he was the kicker for that uh, Mississippi State team moving forward. He never missed an extra point after he signed him. Right out of the stands, fresh out of the stands. You know, that's sort of the out-of-the-box thinking Mike Leach was, and he's going to sincerely be missed. The question I'm going to run by you, Victor, before we get over the NFL side of things is, if you're a Mississippi State football player, what's your take on the bowl game coming up with Illinois? Are you winning one for the Gipper? Or are you going to be able to overcome the grim reaper black cloud that's going to hang over the program here? I would guess the first one, the uh, former of the two, definitely win one for the Gipper. Uh, it makes this ball game even tougher to handicap because, you know, Illinois is not a uh, bowl mainstay as well, the fighting Illini, and they're off a great season themselves. So for me, uh, the tragic passing of Mike Leach makes this ball game even more difficult to handicap. We'll watch that line and see exactly where it goes because that line will tell us 
what Vegas thinks about uh, the opportunity for Mississippi State at hand in this particular game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show, along with Victor King. We're going against the spread on this week's card. And Victor, let's go over to the National Football League side of things, where we're getting closer and closer here, obviously, to the end of the regular season. And with that, obviously, the playoff picture keeps revolving and changing. I'm, let me do this at the top of this segment here and run by the current standings of the playoff picture as they would be right now going into this particular weekend. And I can say this, that the first five slots, seeds one through five, did not change at all from last year, or last week, I should say. Number one, Buffalo, Philadelphia, who, by the way, is the first team to clinch a playoff berth. Number two, Kansas City and Minnesota, who's barely hanging on as a number two seed, barely hanging on as a football team. Number three seeds, Baltimore and San Francisco. The number four seeds, by way of winning their division, but not by win-loss record, are Tennessee and Tampa Bay, followed up by Cincinnati and Dallas, the number five teams. Number six, Miami, and the new number six seed over on the NFC side of things, the Washington Commanders. The number seven seeds are New England and the New York Giants, moved up from last week. Uh, New England up, Giants down, I should say, from last week. Number eight, uh, just on the outside looking in, you've got the L.A. Chargers and the Seattle Seahawks, who seem to be backpedaling a little bit here of late. Number nine seeds, the New York Jets and the Detroit Lions, and uh, who are hooking horns, by the way, this particular week. And number 10 seed, Jacksonville and Green Bay. So that's where we stand as far as the NFL playoff picture goes coming into this particular weekend. And what we'd like to do here, Victor, is also share a thought from our good friend Steve Crabb, the Texas Tornado in Dallas, and he nominates every week the team for his most embarrassed team, a team that might have a reason to play this week. I know he nominated the Indianapolis Colts, who didn't play last week, but they were thoroughly embarrassed the week before coming off their bye. Who would you nominate for your most embarrassed team this week, Victor? Good question, and uh, I might submit a team that uh, – what about a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I know it was a difficult opponent last week on the road against the San Francisco 49ers, but it was against a rookie quarterback in uh, Brock Purdy as they lost, what, Jimmy Garoppolo in the first few plays of that game. But it was pretty much a shit-the-bed performance from Tampa Bay, both in the offensive side of things and even on the defensive side of things. They lost 35-7 to in that game. It was the worst loss for Tampa Bay in the Tom Brady era since way back in 2020 when they lost to the Saints uh, 38-3 to in that weird home game back in 2020. And again, in that game against uh, San Francisco, what do I have here? Only 69 yards rushing. They're having difficulty running the ball, Tampa Bay. And 400-plus yards allowed on defense as they basically allowed San Francisco to just run up and down the field with that great 49er rush defense. So there's a team I would submit to you, perhaps the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are a little bit red-faced and may take out some of their aggression perhaps this week. Yeah, they would be my nominee as well. Uh, that was about as bad and embarrassing loss as uh, Tom Brady would want to endure, in fact. I ran it through our coach's data or our quarterback's database, and it was his third worst loss of his career. Uh, and you have to, you have to think that uh, he might have something to say this particular week. It goes into uh, what I think we're going to hear talk a little bit about more further on in the show when we get to Andy Isco and his segment in the show. But I agree with you. I think it would have to be that would be my nominee as well for the most embarrassed team in the National Football League. 
And with that, Victor, let's hop over now to what will be our college football bowl play of the week. It's kind of strange to say we've got a bowl play of the week going this week. Uh, it's going to be in the Frisco Bowl, not the San Francisco Bowl, but the Frisco Bowl, which is actually in Frisco, Texas. And correct me if I'm wrong, Victor, but I believe if it wasn't last year, it was two years ago, but I think it was last year. There were actually two Frisco Bowls, a Frisco Bowl and a Frisco Bowl Classic. Uh, and I think they kind of wanted to get their feet in the water. It's becoming a, a, a fan-friendly site for bowl teams to kind of want to come and play their football games. Well, this year, we've got a pretty nice little matchup here when Boise State takes on North Texas. How do you see this Frisco Bowl shaking out this Saturday, Victor? Well, Mark, before we get into our Frisco Bowl review, i got a couple of uh, over-under bowl tidbits to throw out there. First off, we're going to, uh, in the uh, track meet bowl games, bowl totals in which the over-under line is 70 or more points. This is kind of our cutoff line. These have actually been very good under plays. They've gone 2-6-2 and two over under. That's 75% under the total, all bowl games, in which the over-under line is 70 or more. And that's in the last six seasons. So we probably want to throw caution in the Holiday Bowl with North Carolina and Oregon already over that point total in terms of the line and a couple other games uh, also approaching that uh, point of 70 or more points in the game. And uh, I touched on this a little bit last week as well in our how low can you go department. Uh, <laughs> this bowl game is still a long way off. We're talking New Year's Eve, but the Music City Bowl Iowa versus Kentucky. The current over-under line is anywhere from 31 to 31 and a half points. Obviously, it's the lowest bowl total of all time. And in the 2022 season, it's had the three lowest over-under lines in college football history. That's Iowa versus Kentucky in this bowl game. Iowa versus Minnesota earlier in the year had an over-under line of 31 and a half. And, of course, in last week's Army-Navy game, the line was 32-and-a-half. The under looked pretty good throughout most of the game. But you know what happens, Mark, when college football games go into overtime. It's where unders go to die. And that's what happened, as for the first time in a long time, that game did go up going over the total, thanks to overtime. Now, uh, with that said, let's get into this bowl, the Frisco Bowl North Texas, what, 8-5 and five over under on the season? Pretty good over team. The Boise State Broncos, 6-7 and seven on the season. The game opened 55-and-a-half. It has steamed over. It's at 59-and-a-half. It's gone up four points as we record the podcast here on Fridays. Of course, you got two teams that lost in their conference championships. They're scoring off in this prime time time period to close out the Saturday six-game bowl slate. And despite the line move, I'm still liking the over. You know, people will tout Boise State's great passing defense. But if you dig a little bit deeper, you'll notice that the Broncos have allowed 27, 28, 31, and 34 points in their four losses this year against UTEP, against Fresno State with a healthy Jake Hayner, against BYU, and against Oregon State, respectively, in their nine wins. 
They faced one FCS opponent and seven FBS schools that currently rank outside the top 100 in passing yards per game. So their numbers are quite skewed. The only competent passing offense that it defeated was Fresno State, again, when the Bulldogs started their incompetent backup quarterback. The secondary for Boise State, it's more exploitable than their season-long metrics would suggest. And, of course, you've got a North Texas quarterback at Austin Eun who should uh, rely on plenty of those explosive passing plays that North Texas is famous for against a secondary and a pass rush that's really not at full strength these days. And, of course, on the other side of the ball, defensively, North Texas, they cannot stop the run. They rank in the bottom five nationally in both defensive line yards and opportunity rate. They, they get no push up front and allow way too many yards in the secondary level versus the linebackers, versus the defensive backs. And that could very well spell uh, disaster against a Boise State offensive line that ranks in the top 25 in both of their quarterbacks. And the fact that Boise State has a dual threat quarterback in Taylor Green and a great running back, too, in George uh, Holani, uh, it should both have a field day on the ground. And not only that, we got a uh, we got a secret weapon for Boise State as well, and that's legendary offensive coordinator Dirk Cotter in his last hurrah before retirement. You think he's going to have a few tricks up his sleeve? I think so. Uh, for comparison, another Mountain West opponent with a dynamic mobile quarterback faced the mean green from North Texas this year, and they allowed UNLV to run for 365 yards in a 58-27 to 27 loss earlier in the season. And you got to think that this is going to be a high level of aggressiveness in regards to offensive play calling by both teams because neither team has anything to lose on Saturday night. So, Mark, look for explosive plays on both sides of the ball. A lot of points, final score somewhere in the range of 38 to 30. Yep, we're going over the total in this week's Frisco Bowl. Victor likes that Dirk Cutter angle in this bowl game here. He's going to load it up here, light up the scoreboard, going to go over the total in this game between the Broncos and the Mean Green. Coaching changes, that's what college football bowl games are all about. We've got one in this particular bowl game. Seth Luttrell, the head coach from North Texas, was fired Kind of almost unexpectedly, maybe expectedly, all I know is for sure that two years ago, Seth Luttrell's name was on the hottest of lists of coaches that would be desired to move up to a Power 5 status. And then after all that talk was out there, he completely tanked it, and it cost him his job, unfortunately. Phil Bennett will be the interim coach here coming in for North Texas, the former head coach. Uh, to coach this football game. And all the while it's happening, they just hired on Tuesday of this week, their new head coach did North Texas. His name is Eric Morris. He's going to be up in the stands watching this football game. And what I like about new coaches coming in or with interim coaches on the scene, with the new coach having already been signed, as is the case here with North Texas, these players are playing for their jobs for next football season here. It's not waiting until next year to get out and make that first impression. They're going to want to make their first impression right here, right now, when that coach is in, uh, on site at the bowl game looking at this particular contest. You look at this North Texas football team here. They've been a really good football team 
their conference, I should say, has been at, when they're coming off of a double-digit loss and they're taking on a Mountain West Conference opponent, a perfect 5-0 and to the spread in this particular role. And on the flip side, you've got almost the opposite in uh, Boise State, double-digit bowl favorites who lost their conference championship game are only 2-8 and eight to the spread. So you've got a little bit of a, a, a collision of one and one good, one bad, uh, perfectly meshing together in this football game here. I'm going to take the points here with the mean green in this football game and see if they don't show their wares in front of their new coach watching this football game from afar. Give me North Texas plus the points for my side in the Frisco Bowl game on Saturday. You're tuned into Mark Lawrence against the spread the nation, popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's hop it over to our National Football League of the Week. And as we come down the stretch here, the pickings are getting better and better each week just simply because we've got teams that are either in the bowl or I should say in the playoff picture or looking to improve themselves in the playoff picture here. And we've got a matchup the same way in the AFC Conference when the Tennessee Titans go out to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers this Sunday. Victor, how do you see the Titans and the Chargers faring on Sunday? Mark, before we get to the game, I got a few more little NFL tidbits that I'm going to run Great. through you really, really quickly here. Great. And the fact that we have three games on Saturday uh, deserves a deep dive into our database. Not only are there three games on Saturday this week, but next week we got like eight or nine games on Saturday on New Year's Eve as well. So uh, if you're a road team playing on Saturdays, You've done uh, pretty damn well. Saturday, road underdogs in the NFL have gone 73 and 41 against the spread. That's 64% since way back since 1982. We're talking a 40-year period. Uh, and that's just flat out playing the Saturday road underdogs in NFL regular season games. Not only that, but the numbers improved to 31 and 7 ATS. When these teams are taking on any opponent off a loss, that's 82%. And in fact, in the last 15 years, these teams have actually gone 12 and 1 against the spread. And guess what? There are two of those road dogs taking on an opponent off a loss this week in the Saturday games. And we'll let you guys figure out who those two teams are. And one more from a totals perspective in Saturday games. Uh, not much to go on in regards to the database in non-division games, but since two of Saturday's games are in divisional play, Saturday, same division games have gone 16-3 and three over under. That's 16 wow. overs, nice. only three unders in the last 15 years when the home team is favored. On Saturday, Cleveland's at home, favored against division rival Baltimore. Buffalo's at home, favorite against division rival Miami. Whether or not I'm going to pull the trigger on the over in those games, I don't know yet. We're not thrilled with the weather. We got high winds in Cleveland. We got potential snow and winds in Buffalo. But I'm just reporting the facts here. In these same division Saturday games, when the home team is favored, there have indeed been 16 overs and three unders in the last 15 years. Uh, again, I don't know which way I'll be going, but uh, again, we're just throwing out the facts there now. A game in which I will be going over the total mark is the Tennessee Titans and the L.A. Chargers game. And we'll gladly play along with a serious history 
that has seen these two teams go over the total, what, 80% of the time in the last 10 meetings. And that includes a perfect 5-0 and to the over when the Chargers are a home team like they are this week. These games have averaged 57.2 combined points per game. This game in the L.A. opened at 45-and-a-half. It's gone up a full point. We're at 46-and-a-half as we speak here on Friday. And again, if you're going to join me on the over, now is the time to do it before we get into that key number range of either 47 or 48 points. Now, with all of our plays, and this is a play that we have in this week's totals tip sheet, and like all of them, uh, we usually highlight with some sort of a signature system out of the database. And that ties into the fact that if you remember the last couple of weeks, we talked about the high percentage of unders in divisional games that are played outdoors. On the converse of that is I also decided to run a system looking at the indoor games, the teams that play their games in either domes or retractable roof stadiums. And in a season that has been, quite frankly, underwhelming, these games have actually gone over the total at a very, very high percentage. Let me get my numbers here. You're talking about all dome teams and teams with the retractable roof. Uh, since week two of this season, there have been 28 overs and only eight unders in indoor games when the home team is favored since week two. That's 78% over the total, especially significant given the fact that this has been, again, a underwhelming NFL season. 28 and eight since week two. Even more surprising in the last eight weeks, that's just the last two months, these games have actually gone 16 and one over under, 16 overs, only one under when the over under line is anywhere under 49 points. Guess what? The Chargers Titans game qualifies in that 16 and one over under situation. Uh, it's amazing. The Titans are, of course, favored at home. The over under line is less than 49 points. That's the signature database trend for this particular game. We're going to ride that 16 and 0. And another high scoring database pattern to jump on. I always look at teams' uh, offensive and defensive performances in regards to their rushing game. You got an LA team that has a very bad rushing defense. They're allowing very, very close to 150 yards per game on the ground this season against a very good running defense on Tennessee's part, who's only allowing 81 yards per game on the season. When I input both into the database, I get 12, 1, and 1 over under last four years. Game three or greater, any home team who allows five or more yards per rush, that's the Chargers, against any opponent who allows 3.8 or less yards per rush. That is the Titans. It's a 12-1-1 over-under situation. I got a couple of Team 10 trends to back us up. Uh, the Chargers have gone 15-3 and over-under in the last two years when they are favored, and the over-under line is 51 or less points. Looks pretty good there. Titans, best over situation has always been when they are catching points on the road. They've gone 17-4 and over-under last five years as road dogs of two or greater points when the over-under line 
is less than 53. We got some good database situations that indicate this game will be higher scoring than people think, and that's the way we'll be going in this late afternoon kickoff. On Sunday, Mark, the Titans Chargers over the total. Victor goes over that total in the Chargers-Titans football game on Sunday for his call in that big AFC matchup. Taking a look at these two football teams, Victor, here, we're bringing Tennessee back into the fold, back into the picture, a team that absolutely had me pulling my hair out all season long. Uh, they're, they're one of three teams that I would call frauds. Bugaboo team. What's that? Your bugaboo team. My bugaboo teams. Exactly right. Uh, and along with, I would also put in that same category, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, a team that maybe hasn't enjoyed success this year, but my goodness, when you look at, uh, at their body of work and their stats are pathetic. That's why they're making this quarterback change this week to Desmond Ritter. Uh, they're just saying enough is enough. It's time to look at the, our new prospect here. Uh, and the third guy is the Minnesota Vikings. My goodness, what a football travesty this has turned out to be for this football program here. There are, on the football card, if you look at the card this week, Victor, there are eight teams in the National Football League that have nine or more wins on the season. One of them is allowing or has been outscored in total points this year, their point differential is in the negative. That's the 10-win Minnesota Vikings, who also happen to be the worst defense in the National Football League. I know I'm digressing a little bit there, but Tennessee is also on this bugaboo fraud list that I've been charting all football season long. And I don't know if it gets any better for either any of those three football teams. Uh, the Titans come into this football contest here. Uh I think the biggest thing they have working for them here is the fact that this Charger rush defense is the worst in the league. They're allowing over five and a half yards of carry, and it could well fit like a golden slipper into the Tennessee Titans if Mike Vrabel so chooses to attack that. I don't think he's got any other option here is to expose this wobbly Charger rush defense, and I think it can be exposed coming into this football game. Uh, you're taking a look at a Charger football team that comes off of arguably their best performance of the season last week. Justin Herbert lit things up. Uh, in fact, he's right now in a race, if you will, for most passing yards in the National Football League, uh, just behind Patrick Mahomes, if you will, doing a real, real nice job that way this year. But when I see mediocre or bad football teams come off of their best effort of a season, I want to try and make a case to fade them, especially when they're dressing up and laying points to a team that uh, has a better record than they do, and that's the case for Tennessee. So give me the big clothespin here, Victor. We'll try Tennessee one more time. <laughs> the big bugaboo, I got to play them plus the points against the Chargers, and what I think is a fade roll for the L.A. Chargers on Sunday. Put me down for the Tennessee Titans. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And it's time once again for one of our favorite segments on the show as we go out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Esco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, I hope your holidays are going well and your football season is going even better. In the midst of my shopping and in the midst of uh, hopefully a good stretch run in the football and, of course, the start of the bowl season as well. That's a good news. I like hearing just about all of that stuff, Andy. Uh, as we do on the show each and every week, I know let's do a couple of things that are little checkboxes here. How about a little bit of a rundown of where we stand with the major contest? We're getting nearer, closer and closer to the finish line. What have you got for us this week, Andy? 
Well, actually, yeah, we're very close. We're 14 weeks down, four weeks to go. The season is flying by, and looking at the Westgate, the consensus continues to struggle. Coming into week 14, it was 35-29-1 in the top five selections, went 2-3. and three. Winners on the Lions and Ravens, losers on the Browns, Vikings, and Seahawks. So that 2-3 and three brings the 14-week consensus through 70 plays, 37 correct, 32 incorrect, and there was one push for a very low 53.6% winning percentage. In other words, barely profitable through 14 weeks. Uh, the one leader in the contest does uh, have 50 out of a possible 70 points. That's good enough for a 71.4% winning percentage. That's somewhat in line with what we've seen the last few years as far as the overall champion goes. And uh, uh, through the contest, uh, we've got as far as the top 30 in ties. In order to be in the money, you need to be hitting 63.6% to be in cashing position through 14 weeks. Looking at the uh, Super Contest Gold, there's one leader at 48 out of 70 points. That's 68.6%. And that's good enough for a one and a half point lead over one contestant. And in fact, uh, the contestant uh, in fifth place is only four points behind the leader with 20 picks to go. Looking at the Golden Nugget contest, and this one is somewhat surprising as the uh, uh, the contest got uh, tightened up last week. Uh, two contestants have the lead. This is seven picks a week, so they've made 98 picks so far. Two contestants tied for the lead at 61.7%. To be cashing the top 20 and, uh, and ties, uh, they need to be hitting a little bit over 57% to be in cashing position uh, at this point. Uh, looking at the two major contests now, the Circa Millions, beginning with that one, uh, similar to the Westgate Super Contest. Coming into week 14, the consensus had been 32, 29, and 4, which is basically break-even, 52.3%. However, the consensus did have a good week going forward. Four and one with the Chargers, Bengals, Eagles, and Lions all covering their lines. The one team uh, that did not cover its line was Seattle. So four and one brings the season results to 36, 30, and four. That's 54.3%. Marginally profitable, but at least reversing the recent trend of uh, of going down. And so we'll look for a strong finish, hopefully, from the consensus. There's one leader in the Circa Millions that carries the million dollar first prize. They pay 100 places. 71.4% currently leading uh, the Circa Millions, very much like the uh, Westgate. That's 50 out of a possible 70 points. This contest pays the top 100 in ties, and currently, if you're hitting 62.9% or better, you are in the money. In fact, 124 people are currently cashing because there's 29 people tied for the final five Play, uh, payoff spots in the Circa Millions. And finally, to the big contest where the big news was last week, the Circa Survivor. 6,133 entries started the season. Uh, through week 13, they were down to 70, and it was a big losing week this past week. In fact, of the 70, only 30 advanced. Wow. Uh, the the uh, ones that got eliminated, Seattle cost 15 entries their uh, survival. The Titans went down with 12, Raiders 11, and then one each on the Steelers and the Cardinals. The teams that advanced, there were a total of seven teams that were selected that did advance. The Cowboys led with eight, followed by the Bills, the Bengals, the Lions, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and the Patriots. So uh, 30 remain with four, actually five contest weeks to go because of the double week on Christmas. That's less than one, just under one half of, uh, of a percent of the original field. And uh, again, it looks as though we may end up 
going down with a tie. But 30 at this point is a, a little bit more than what we had last year when we had much fewer contestants and five people ended up tying. So 30 to go with five contest weeks remaining. Well, it's getting whittled down, Andy. We're, as we said, we're getting closer and closer to that finish line. And as you always do, Andy, I know our listeners would love to know what you've heard in Vegas about the advanced lines on this week's football card. If you can run those by a rundown for us, we would greatly appreciate it. Well, one of the uh, games, uh, well, let me start with uh, the uh, the Saturday games. One that's interesting because there hasn't been any movement to speak of. Dolphins at the Bills. Over the summer, Buffalo was a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite. When they posted the advance line, Buffalo was a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite 10 days in advance of the game. When they reposted it Sunday night, Buffalo was down to six and a half, but they've since been bet up to seven. So a good job by the lines makers 14 weeks prior to the start of the season. As far as the other uh, Saturday games go, no significant movement other than the Minnesota game, which over the summer, the Vikings were two point home favorites. The advanced 10 day line had them at five and a half and money has steadily come in on the Indianapolis Colts. So for the Saturday game opened on Sunday at four and a half currently uh, three and a half. Looking at uh, some of the other games that will be played on Sunday, Pittsburgh, and I'm unfortunately I'm using the order that they had over the summer as opposed to the current rotation order, so it may f- uh, flip around a little bit. Pittsburgh uh, over the summer was a one-point road favorite. Carolina, the two-week advance line opened uh, three. Then with injuries with Pittsburgh and Carolina's fine performance to the extent that they now control their destiny in the NFC South, they opened a one-point favorite on Sunday evening, and that has been bet up to uh, three. Eagles were only three-point road favorites at Chicago over the summer, and then the advanced line and the current lines have them going from eight up to nine, more reflective of what's happened uh, throughout the season. Kansas City over the summer had already been put in as a 10-point road favorite at Houston. However, the advanced line, which remains the opening line on Sunday, and the current line has the Chiefs at uh, 14. One game that's worth mentioning is uh, Dallas at Jacksonville, because the line is somewhat surprising considering uh, the fortunes of both of these teams, although Jacksonville has played better of late. Over the summer, Cowboys were only a four-point road favorite, Jacksonville. That's despite Jacksonville coming off its tumultuous 2021 season and the Cowboys winning the NFC East with a 12-5 and record. So it's somewhat surprising they opened at uh, only four points. In fact, the advanced line uh, before last week's games had Dallas a five-and-a-half-point road favorite. And when it opened again after the Sunday's action, Dallas was a six-point road favorite. However, apparently a lot of people... Uh, are maybe overreacting to what they saw on Sunday with Dallas's struggles against Houston and Jacksonville's brilliant performance against Tennessee. That line is down to Dallas, just a four-point uh, road favorite. Uh, other games that uh, uh, that catch my attention: the Tampa Bay hosting Cincinnati game. Over the summer, the Bucks were five-point home favorites over the defending AFC Super Bowl losing. Uh, AFC champion, but Super Bowl losing Bengals. The advanced line, based upon how Tampa Bay has struggled and Cincinnati has caught fiver, fire, had the uh, Bengals two and a half point road favorites. It opened Sunday for the uh, the big wagers coming in at three, and then three and a half is where it uh, currently uh, stands. The uh, Saints and Falcons. Atlanta uh, Saints seven point home favorite over the summer. However, the fates of the two teams, both teams struggling, although Atlanta playing much better. Uh, Saints were a 10 day advance favorite of three and a half. And that's where it opened Sunday night. And that's where it remains uh, today. Uh, one thing that's another one, much like the uh, Buffalo Miami game, Washington and the Giants. 
Lines makers over the summer had the Commanders a four-point home favorite. Remember, these teams tied just two weeks ago, Washington coming off of its bye. The advanced line before last week and after that tie game did have Washington a four-point home favorite. When they reposted the lines after the Giants' pitiful performance against Philadelphia, Washington was a five-point favorite. That settled back down now to four and a half, so another great job by the lines makers uh, estimating what the line would be 14 weeks before the uh, game was going to be played. And then just of note, this is not really too much of a surprise uh, Packers were two and a half point home favorites over the defending Super Bowl champions over the summer. However, based upon the play throughout the part of the season, the Rams struggling much more than Green Bay. Green Bay in the advanced line was a nine and a half point home favorite over the Rams. Of course, we saw that great performance by Baker Mayfield against the Raiders uh, a week ago Thursday after that advanced line came out. And on Sunday after the uh, uh, the Packers on their bye, the Packers opened eight point favorites. And that's been bet down to seven for what could be an interesting Monday night game this week. A great recap from Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com with all the early advanced line look-aheads for this weekend's NFL football card. And Andy, as we always do on the show before we let you go, our listeners would also love to know what you like for your complimentary play this week. Well, Mark, I'm going to go with a team that I've been on or against the last few weeks. I think I talked about it the last few weeks, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, They're off those three straight intense games at Tennessee versus Kansas City and uh, versus Cleveland. And, of course, all three were wins. As suggested last week, uh, any letdown that might have occurred last week against Cleveland uh, was likely not going to occur because of the embarrassing loss revenge for that uh, Thanksgiving, uh, excuse me, that Halloween night massacre that the Browns put on uh, the Bengals. And I did think that if a letdown was going to become uh, come, it would be either this week or next week when they uh, went outside of uh, the division. And, in fact, uh, uh, I figured it might be more t- – against Tampa Bay this week because it's a non-conference foe as opposed to a conference foe New England next week. Now, Cincinnati does control its own destiny, uh, so uh, they would like to obviously win this game. Tampa Bay not totally uh, out of it yet, although Brady appears to be uh, showing his age. Uh, I do have some issues with Tampa Bay uh, in their uh, in, in their uh, lack of a running game, but I think we see the good effort out of Tampa Bay. And one thing, and you, you follow trends a lot, Mark, and I do also, I often use them as a means of checking is my selection going against something that's really strong in the opposite direction. And it turns out one of the things that I use, and we usually start around the week, a uh, month and a half into the season, is how do teams in certain roles perform after a result in a certain role? For example, Cincinnati covered last week as a home favorite. They're now on the road as a road favorite. Teams in that situation this year, just 6-13-1 against the spread. On the other hand, Tampa Bay is in a situation where they did not cover last week as a road underdog. And this week, they dress up as a home underdog. Those teams, 13-5-2 this season. So those are two very strong opposing uh, situations. Backing the team that I wanted to back all along, the fact that they're getting that extra half point at 3.5 makes Tampa Bay a very attractive play this week. And I would not be shocked, considering they are being pressed in their division by Carolina, whom they'll face a little bit later, I would not be shocked if Tampa Bay wins this game outright. Andy, I'll be riding the Bengals with you for your complimentary play in this football game as well. Two great situational spots that puts Cincinnati on the ticket this particular week. Once again, a great job on the show, as always, Andy. We're going to wish you nothing but the best of luck this week and certainly look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. 
Thanks, Mark, and, and Victor as well. To all the listeners and uh, the viewers, have a great and successful, enjoyable weekend. And also, be sure to uh, finish up your holiday shopping. It's coming to uh, real quick, uh, real quick, beginning over the next week and a half. Meanwhile, Andy, take care. We'll catch you then. Thanks. And once again, speaking of free plays, it's time for our awesome angle of the week on the football show this week. It comes directly from the Playbook Football Newsletter. It's called Darlin' Be Home Soon, one of my favorite tunes of all times. And what we're going to do in the National Football League this week is to play against any sub-800 National Football League road favorite that's coming off three straight home games if they're doing it from game 11 on out. From the awesome angle in the playbook newsletter, our Darlin' Be Home Soon play, we're going to play against the Dallas Cowboys because these teams are just 1-12 against the spread in this role. At the 92% fade angle, we'll play against the Dallas Cowboys when they take on Jacksonville for our awesome angle play on the show this week. And speaking about awesome, let's find out what Victor's got on tap for his complimentary play. And Victor, if you would, let our listeners know all about what you've got going with your service and also the playbook totals tip sheet. Can do, Mark. It's one of four publications. Here they are. That's the midweek alert, the totals tip sheet. This week's playbook newsletter, as we mentioned, the bowl stat report. There's the playbook newsletter. And, of course, all publications available at the website at playbooksports.com. Before we get to our free play this week, Mark, let me throw out a few more uh, ATS and perhaps totals tidbit in regards to the bowl games, the college football bowl games. Uh, You know, normally in a college football regular season, Mark, High winds impact totals uh, big time. Winds of 15 or 20 or even more miles per hour uh, tend to lead to lower scoring games at a pretty high percentage. So how has high winds impacted bowl totals? How about zero impact whatsoever? And that's kind of shocking. In bowl games in which the... Uh, winds are 10 or more miles per hour. There's actually been 37 overs, 24 unders. That's actually 61% over the total in the last 10 years. Uh, Even more important, when winds are 15 miles per hour or more in bowl games, there's actually been 15 overs, only seven unders, 68% over the total in the last 15 years. If you're thinking about an over in a bowl game, and you're worried about a windy uh, site in which the ball game is being played, don't let that impact your over at all. We worry about it in the regular season, but definitely not in the uh, bowl season. We mentioned last week, Mark, you got to pay attention more than ever these days to bowl opt-outs, transfer portals, injuries, suspensions, and interim coaches as well, definitely before you're doing your bowl handicapping. Uh, Hot and cold conferences in the bowl games. Well, we've talked about this in our newsletter for a few years now. The Pac-12 conference has really struggled. They are the least profitable conference in bowl games. Over the last 10 years, they've gone 20 and 38 against the spread. Uh, Even more important, since 2016, they've gone 8 and 28 ATS, only 22% Pac-12 conference. Uh, on the flip side, uh, Mountain West has done pretty well in the bowl games. They've gone 27 and 16 ATS since 2014. That's a very, very solid 63% uh, against the spread. 
in the last four years alone. They're 14 and seven. And not only that, but this conference, the Mountain West Conference, has been 500 or better ATS in every bowl season over the last seven consecutive years in a row. Right. Uh, uh, and finally, in our rapid fire, fast and furious, Mark James Franklin of Penn State has coached 10 bowl games. He's gone eight and two to the over in those 10 bowl games. Average margin plus 11.1 points per game. Always been a uh, high scoring bowl coach, James Franklin. All six of Duke's last six bowl games have gone over the total. There is a but here, though. However, he's playing Central Florida and Gus Malzahn, who has coached eight full bowl games and gone actually 75% under the total. Uh, and finally, Minnesota, Tennessee um, State head coach uh, Rick Stockstill, uh, been a good bowl over coach in his nine bowl games in his career, seven overs, two unders, including a perfect five and over the over in his last five. So that should just about do it, uh, Mark, for our bowl ATS and totals tidbits. And for this week's free play, we're going to give the ball to one of our doggies. Uh, the other doggy, uh, Monkey, is already in the house with the winner this week from the totals tip sheet. As she had a play on the 49ers and Seahawks under the total in the Thursday night game. It went very um, pretty easily under the total. Our King Creole service had a two-star winner on that play as well. So we're going to be giving the ball to Tuco this week with another team total. And that team total, let me, uh, there we go. And that team total for Tuco is going to be on the Dallas Cowboys this week. They're on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Tuco's got Dallas to score over 26 points in this particular game. Heck, we all know how hot Dallas is. They are as hot as any team in the league when it comes to offense, that is for sure. And all we're asking of the Cowboys this week is to do what they have done in each of their last six games. Score 27 or more points. They've notched, what, 49, 28, 40, 28, 54, and 27 points in that time frame. And one can argue that um, last week's game, uh, only 27 points, including a last-minute touchdown against Houston, that Dallas is kind of looking for a whipping boy this week. And let's see here, Wells, we've got an average of 423 yards per offense per game. In that uh, six-game time frame, easily the number one uh, offensive performance in the NFL. Uh, our task shouldn't be too tough considering the fact that the Jaguars are, what, let me see here, the sixth-worst defense in the entire league. They're number 27 overall. And in Dallas's four games this year against the bottom half of the league in defense, they have scored 35.0 points per game. And in Jacksonville's four games against top 10 offenses, they've allowed 29.3 points per game. Of course, after that big-time win over Tennessee last week, uh, that's the Jaguars, we note that NFL dogs of greater than a field goal have allowed an average of 31 points per game off a division road dog win the previous week. The uh, visiting Cowboys are off three straight wins as double-digit favorites. NFL teams have averaged 31.1 points per game off three straight wins in a row as a big favorite of 10 or more. That applies to the Dallas Cowboys this week. 
I don't know how many points that Jacksonville will score in this particular game, but Tuco loves the Cowboys to score over 26. That's our team total of the week. Uh, not only that, Mark, our King Creole service has a big win going this week in the NFL. It's our five-star game of the month for December. It's a game that's going over the total. It's in one of the, um, we could even say it's an under-the-radar game. It's a game in which a lot of people will not be joining us on the over. It's my definitely my kind of game. So if you want to join us for that one, it's already up at the playbooksports.com website. It's our five-star game of the month for December. It's a game going over the total. And with that said, Mark, I think somebody else has got a big one going in the NFL this week. And best of luck to you with your first bowl selections of the weekend as well. Well, I appreciate that very much. Thank you, Victor. And once again, Victor, that big five-star total going on this weekend's NFL football card. Get it now at playbooksports.com. Might be the best move you'll make this weekend. Let's move over to my complimentary play on the football card this weekend. Before I get there, just a quick note. My weekend, I have a big five-star NFL game of the month week of winners. And what it includes, guys, is every NFL football selection play I make this weekend and my first two big college football bowl releases, one of which is a big four-star play. You can get it all for $99 every selection I make from Saturday through next Thursday in the bowl games. Log on at playbooksports.com or give our office a call toll-free for that big five-star week of football winners at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week, we're going to look inside the National Football League here. Get the clothespin out once again, Victor. It's that time of the year where these big, high, top-rated teams in the National Football League take on these bottom-rung teams, and they almost always play down to their level. We saw it happen last week when the Dallas Cowboys fell asleep at the switch against the Houston Texans. They were down at the half in that football game before they realized, hey, we've got a football game here, guys. We've got to play. We're going to do the same thing again this week here. We're going to fade the Kansas City Chiefs, laying a whopping amount of points here against, again, the Houston Texans, who, by the way, are 4-1 and one to the spread. The last five is double-digit home dogs. And they're taking two touchdowns in this football game. You've got a Kansas City Chief football team that has not only struggled in this particular role, but also against teams out of the AFC South. The last six times they met teams out of this division, they're only two and six against the point spread. They're also in the third of three straight road games in a row. You simply don't lay 14 points in the National Football League when you've been on the road two previous weeks and you're doing it again for the third week, especially in a letdown situation, which is exactly what this game is all about here. And Kansas City, by the way, just remember this, guys. They're not a very good football team down the stretch in the National Football League. And in fact, if you go back and look at them the last three years, they're just 4-10 and ten to the spread in their final six games of the season. Heck, they're only 5-9 and nine to the number in all their football games this year. They're a football team that just doesn't live up to the billing and the hype. And with that, we'll play the points with the Houston Texans in this football game for my complimentary play on the show this week. And don't forget to download your copy of the College Football Bowl Guide. Also, the total tip sheet and the playbook football newsletters. Get them all that three for a quarter deal that they always talks about. All three of those big publications you can get, pick them up this week and throw the bowl guide on top of it. It might be the best combine bundle buy you'll make this particular week. 
For Victor King from King Creole Sports and our good friend Andy Isco from Las Vegas, this is Mark Lawrence. Until next week, reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.